So I invite you all to turn to 1 John chapter 2, reading verses 7 to 11. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning thank you for the privilege of meeting together under your son's name who's head of this church jesus christ and we just thank you father that we have your word to teach us your truths so that we can walk in the light and just help us now father to hear what your word has to say please help us to open up our ears and our hearts and our minds to the hearing of the word and stir us up, Father, to, to confess any sin in our life. And I pray that, that you, Holy Spirit, would convict us of our sin and that we would not become complacent in any way. But thank you, Father, that in your word we are reminded of some godly truths, some great truths to help us to walk in the light. So, Father, thank you again for Robertson Reformed Community Church. Thank you that we can be here this morning. Thank you that we can continue to worship you in spirit and truth, without any persecution. Have mercy upon us, Father. Comfort us and encourage us. May your word always comfort us and build us up in Christ Jesus, so together we can mature in him and we can walk in love, loving you and loving one another. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we hopefully are going to be challenged, um, maybe felt uncomfortable, that's what you want the gospel to do, you want it to make you feel uncomfortable, you want it to you know, convict you of your sin, because John, yeah, touches on a, a very sensitive subject, but a very important subject to our own lives, and that's in one word, love. And the heading of my sermon is, Why Love Matters. And the question to us is, why should love matter for the Christian? We know the greatest commandment in this Bible is to love one another. Well, love should matter because loving one another is an essential mark of a Christian. I'm going to tell us this now, from the beginning. You cannot profess to be a Christian if you do not display godly love in your life. And I know we go up and down, and I know we're inconsistent because there's forgiveness. But I'm talking about the person that just says, you know what, I love Jesus, leave me alone, I can do as I please, and I can love as I please, and I can walk as I please. 
This is what was happening in John's Gospel. There were false teachers telling them that there is no more sin. You don't sin anymore. You can do as you please. You, you know Jesus, He knows you, and you can live as you please. But John's telling them, one of the greatest truths is that is love. And it's one of the first fruits of the Spirit. If you don't attend church regularly on a Sunday, question your love for Jesus. That's the bottom line. If you struggle to go to prayer meetings and to home fellowship groups or whatever, question your love for Jesus. Because if we love Him, we would want to walk in His way. Not perfectly. We're not talking about perfectionism here. We're talking about how much do we love God? When I say I love God, do people see that displayed before them? Reading around, I came across this beautiful quote. Love is the most attractive quality in the world. And it lies at the heart of Christianity. It's what God's words told us. It's not me forcing my opinion upon anybody here this morning. You see, if we have to define love culturally, and we mention the word love culturally to people, they think of niceness. They picture a loving person as always being nice and sweet towards everybody. And that can be in their personality. They could be a sweet person because they grew up in a sweet home. That person never gets angry about evil things. And I'm talking about someone that professes to be a Christian, not just out there as well, secularly. They never say anything to upset anybody. They just agree. They go with the flow. Their love is mostly based on very strong feelings of deep affection. If all is well, they love well. If all is not well, they don't love well. So their love is conditional. It's up and down. You do good things to them, they love you. You do bad things to them, they don't love you. According to the Bible. Because when we look at the word love biblically, it's a godly love. It's a supernatural love that is unconditional and it's active. It's not interested in what I can gain from that person who I have to help. But it's interested in what can I give in spite of what that person has done to me. In spite of who that person is. Color. In spite of what that person does for a living. Is what can I give? How can I help the one that I'm supposed to love, whatever the cost is. Is it sacrificial love? And in spite of what we're going through, we love because it's God's love that is in our hearts. When God saves us, God's love is poured out into our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit who lives in us so He can help us to love. Because before you were saved, you loved yourself. We were all lovers of self. We, were self, we had self-love in our lives. But now when God pours out his, his love into our hearts, we can now take ourselves off the throne, we can put God in the, on the throne, and we can get Him to help us to love. 
And I'm not talking like I've arrived and I love perfectly. I also struggle to love. And the beautiful thing in prayer meeting the other night, I heard someone praying how they struggle to love as well. Sometimes I wish we were honest and sincere with ourselves so we can help ourselves love better because what is needed out there now is love. Genuine, sincere, Christ-like love. Not when I feel like loving or when you feel like loving or when someone does something great or, or what I can get out of it. We're so much in that kind of conditioning mode. I'm only going to love that person if I can get something out of it. Oh, I'm going to be friends with so-and-so because they got a holiday house on the beach and I'm going to make sure I can get a holiday house now and then. Jesus did not love culturally. Jesus would not have been a loving man. He loved biblically. He was not afraid to put people in their places. And he did it because of love. If you rebuke someone and you correct someone, you're doing it out of love. Jesus loved the Jewish religious leaders when he said to them, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! He loved Peter when he said to him, Get behind me, Satan! How often do you want to say that to some Christians? Get behind me, Satan! Why don't you say it if it's true? It's love. Warn them. If they've been captive to do Satan's will and not God's will. He loved the multitude when he said to them, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? That's love. Sometimes we have to love. Jesus at times had a righteous anger, but it was clothed in love. He did not allow the external circumstance to control his way of loving us. Because if he did, I would not be standing here this morning and I would not be saved. And none of you would be saved as well if Jesus loved like a nice person. And we only love because God first loved us. And he has shared that love with us. So Christian love matters because it honors God, it shows genuine faith, and that genuine faith shows that we love. Real faith works through love, according to Galatians 5, 6. Reading through another quote. Godly love, therefore, is one of the most important tests of the reality of one's faith. True faith is a love for God's people. Why love matters? By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And we live through Him by loving Him and loving one another. And this is what we would like to see this morning. We will only look at one thing this morning. There are two things we're going to look at over the next week or two. But hopefully we'll get through the one thing as we look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 7-11, to 11, which hopefully will help us to see why love is important to the Christian life. Why love matters. And the first thing we're going to look at, why love matters, in 1 John chapter 2 is in verses 7 to 8. And it matters because it was true in Jesus Christ himself. It's what amazes me and what encourages me and comforts me as a Christian is that our God, what he tells us to do, was seen in his Son. 
All the other religions, have they seen their God, whoever they worship, come down to earth and live and be an example? I don't think so. But Jesus came. And it's so beautiful when he says, Mark, love your neighbor as myself. How? I just got to look to him and observe how he loved in the Gospels. That's why reading the Bible is important. Because that's how we learn. To see how we're supposed to walk in the same manner as he walked. That was according to verse 6 of chapter 2. Whoever says he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And we can look back at the Gospels and we can learn that. Jesus commands us to love one another. And we definitely saw that in his own life. Jesus illustrated love by the very life that he loved. Jesus never showed hatred or bitterness or malice to anybody. His righteous loving heart hated all sin, but never hated the people who committed such sins. Otherwise we wouldn't be here. Even his righteous announcements of judgment were always done in love. When he had a righteous anger, it was done in love. When he turned over those tables and he chased the people out, the temple, because it was a place of prayer, not a place to market and make money, it was a place of prayer. And you know whose place they stole? It was the Gentiles' place of prayer. And here we have, in verse 7 of 1 John chapter 2, Verse 7 says, Beloved, this is John writing, Beloved, the ones that I love, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Then we ask ourselves, well, what is this commandment? Well, if we go back to verse 5, But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And if we go down to verse 10 of chapter 2, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, we kind of read into the new commandment being love. And the reason, we'll see the reason why this new commandment is also an old commandment, while it's new in one sense because it's been given to, given to us from Jesus, we can read that in in. in um, John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also ought to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. These are Jesus' words to his disciples. He's telling them that the new covenant and the mark of the new covenant is that you love one another as I have loved you. Huh? Well, go read the Gospels and you'll see how Jesus loved his disciples and the people around him, both Jew and Gentile, both lovely and unlovely, and the religious, the enemy, the stranger. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, 
there we see Jesus' brotherly love commandment, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So when God saves us, we just don't fall in love with Jesus and with God the Father and His Word, and it stops there. Because that's, if that's all you do, you love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, and you don't love your neighbor as yourself, you've missed the point of why God has saved you. He hasn't saved you just to gain knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. up. But love builds up and love will flow from the heart into the lives of people around you. If we had to do this, which we never will, if we had to go to our neighbours, if Marita came to my neighbours that lived on the left, the right, in front of me, and said, listen here, how does Mark and Catherine love? Can you tell me? What would they say? I came to you and went to your neighbours and asked them, how does so-and-so love? What would they say? But it's not really a matter what they says. It's what God sees. He sees everything that goes on in our lives. He's all-present, all-known, all-powerful. He sees the heart. He sees your heart as you sit here this morning. Why are you here this morning? Is it because you love Him with all your heart, soul, mind and strength? And you want to grow up in His love so you can go out there and love your neighbour. Is this easy? No. Do we need each other? Yes. And we need to be reminded of this. To love one another. But Jesus has commanded us not only to love one another, but also to love our neighbour. And He's the greatest example of this commandment. Now, we've got to understand that in verse 7, I'll read it again. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. So why is it old and why is it new? Has one, has the old been pushed aside for the new? Or why is there a new commandment? Why is it not a new commandment, even though it is a new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning? Well, the beginning has two meanings. One is that we know if we have to go back to the Old Testament... Right there in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, there the Israelites were told to love their neighbor. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. Same for Christians today. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And if you want to read Deuteronomy 6, chapter 4, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. So there it is. Love God and love your neighbor. So in one sense, it, in the beginning, they've always had this command, but the Israelites failed miserably at this. They stopped loving the nations. They even stopped loving each other and taking care of the widow and the elderly and the children because they became self-righteous and they took their eyes of loving God with all their heart, soul, mind and strength and they put them on themselves and they became lovers of self. So the old commandment that was in the beginning was perfectly fulfilled in Jesus and it's true in Him. That's why when He gives it to His disciples before He died on the cross 
He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also, ought, you also are to love one another. So the disciples heard this message from Jesus' own mouth. That he has, yes, he has an old commandment, but it's going to be a new commandment going forward. When does it become a new commandment? Well, it becomes a new commandment when Jesus dies on the cross. It's renewed, it's refreshed, and it's fulfilled in Jesus. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also ought to love one another. This new commandment was seen in Jesus. It was true in Jesus. So when Jesus tells us to do it, which is also in you, then we just have to look to him. And we see how he walked. Another quote, beautiful quote. What is new about this command is the part about Jesus' model of love. A newness of quality, emphasis and extent. And Jesus, you just look at the Gospels, how Jesus loved his friends. There was Martha, there was Mary, there was Lazarus. He, he loved lost souls like the rich young ruler. He loved his close disciples. He even loved Judas that he could kiss him when Judas came to show his betrayers who Jesus was when he betrayed him in the garden. He loved his mother at the hour of, of his death on the cross. He loved those who carried out the crucifixion. He loved his neighbour, even his enemies, that he gave his life for them. That's love. That he actually gave his life for sinners. Romans 5, 68. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die, but God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who here would die for an unlovely person? Jesus is a great example of how to love and it was seen in his own life it was perfectly true in jesus and then according to verse 8 of 1 john chapter 2 it is also true in us i love the way john says it says i'm writing to you which is true in him this new commandment that i'm writing to you was true in jesus and guess what it's also true in you and if it's in you it needs to be seen and that's when we get to our second point, Lord willing, next Sunday, about hating the brother. You cannot say you love God, but you hate Christians out there, or you hate non-Christians out there. Because the love of God cannot be in you. It is in us. And if it's in us, then our attitude should be one of of. Loving, it should be a loving action, and, and, and we will then 
be shining forth as the true light. Put it differently, we live in the light of love. Why? Because Jesus has commanded us to love one another and because we are in Him and in Him we abide in the light. That's why Galatians 2.20, such a beautiful passage. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And if Christ lives in you, then we should be seeing Christ's love coming and flowing. And if we don't, then there's an opportunity for us to repent and ask God to forgive us and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us to, to, to walk in His ways and, and to turn our eyes from looking at vanity and to revive us in the Scriptures so that we can fear God's name and, and love like Jesus loved. Because all what we see in this world is darkness. It's characterized by darkness, rebellion, corruption, murder, rape. It's just wickedness, lawlessness. And the more darkness grows in this world, it's telling me and us that the church has lost its light. It's not shining as bright as it should be. It doesn't mean there's not going to be problems still. But we have to eventually, as a church, permeate our community with God's love. Except we permeate our communities, not with God's love, but with, with factions and, and conflicts that, that grow in the church. People hear this church arguing about this and about that. And people are negative towards There's so many people out there that don't want to come to church because they've been hurt by a pastor or someone in the church. Yes, they're also wrong. They should grow up and put that aside and come to church. But there's more people out there, out the church, that are actually in the church. We need to embrace the cross. We need to embrace Jesus, who personified love, who came and shone His light, so we can shine our light. That's what it's talking about in, in verse 8. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in Him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Jesus shone His light for us to see. Now we should go and shine our light. If we are loving, then we are walking in light and shining for Jesus Shining His love into the lives of people. Because He is the true light. And the final and perfect revelation of God's love. God's love matters. Why does it matter? Because it was true in Jesus. And He said it is also true in you. Therefore, the world needs to see His love. It's a gift. None of this is easy. This is why Christianity is a narrow road, not a broad. Many come on the broad. Many do as they please. Many make up their own theology. Many do things that they do that, that, that they are comfortable with. But the love, and we'll look at this more, Lord willing, next week, is a sacrificial love, 
It's a love that follows through. If I say I love God, then love of God must flow from my life. Not perfectly. That's still not an excuse. But we need to, we need to help each other. We need to pray for each other. We need to share. Because this first thing, love was true in Jesus, that we've just looked at from 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 to 8, to see why love matters. Have we been challenged now to see why love matters? Will we be challenged to do something about the love that is in our own hearts? And I'm not saying, oh, I better phone Tani tomorrow and tell her I love her and just ask her how she is. No, go to her. Take her for coffee. Make a sacrifice. Become a doer. It's easy just to pat someone on the back and tell them you love them. What's harder is to take that same person and sit down with them for an hour, have a chat, let them talk, let them even small talk. The fact that you're there shows them you love them. There's a lot of lonely people out there and all they do is they seek love. And if more people were loved, our institutions would have less people wanting to commit suicide, less people that are anxious because they have not had the love that they seek from if it was in their parents or from someone. And maybe you can be that someone and just clothe that person in God's love. Just like God has clothed me. The most beautiful story I heard was um, I've forgotten it. D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was five years old when he was at the graveside of his dad who had died. But there was an old man that came up to D.L. Moody and he said, D.L. Moody, I'm going to tell you something. You might not understand it now, but one day you will. There's a heavenly father that loves you more than any earthly father. Remember that. I mean, D.L. Moody was saved at 25 as a shoe salesman. He remembered that. And that's what he embraced. The Father's love for him. No earthly father can love like our Heavenly Father loves us. And that's what people are seeking from the Gospel of Christ. Is genuine, sincere love that can come from God alone. Because it's a supernatural love. And it's been given to us a gift. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit that is in us and helps us to love unconditionally. And yes, we will struggle to love. But we will at least love. So let's look to the cross. Let's let the cross humble us. Knowing that Jesus died on the cross. There, there he died so his love would be poured out into our hearts. So that we can love him and love one another. This is why love matters. Because it shows how much you love God. If you love God, his love will be seen in the lives of people. So let us be challenged this morning. For love is from God. It was true in Jesus. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. That's why love matters. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word, which is so challenging, so convicting. Please forgive me, Father, for I struggle to love. Be merciful to me. Thank you that through your word you teach us, you humble us, you correct us, you train us in righteousness. But help us, Father, help us to take the plank out of our own eye and help us to look at ourselves in the mirror and see what we see.
and repent and ask you with fresh beginnings to to build us up in Christ Jesus, to, to love like He loved and to start loving. Father, we criticize, we moan, we grumble, we complain. We become discontent, ungrateful, unthankful. But so, Father, help us. If we love, love covers a multitude of sins. Please, Father, help us. Be merciful to me, be merciful to this church, be merciful to each one of us, that we would love our brother and our sisters according to your word, that we would hold fast this commandment, loving you and loving one another, because it was true in him, it's true in us. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.